the Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour. Just remember that the show is made possible through listeners and viewers like you. Just go to thepaulleslie.com and click on Support the Show. Thank you to all of you who have contributed. Now let's get into the interview. Hi. Hey, hey, how are you? Is that really you? It's really me. Hi there. (laughs) How are you? I'm fine. Well, this is really me too. (laughs) Good morning. Nice to meet you. Cheers. (laughs) We both have our coffee, huh? Yes, we do. Thank goodness. The meds, the all-important meds. The most important part of the interview is when you brew the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> what, what you got for me? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm very pleased to be welcoming someone who has brought a joyful noise to us. Kate <laughs> Taylor is a singer, songwriter, performing, and recording artist. Her debut album, Sister Kate, which was produced by Peter Asher, came out in 1971. Now in the year 2021... She decided to commemorate that, and she has returned with producer Peter Asher yet again. And I have to say, this is a joyous album entitled Why Wait? Why Wait? Exclamation point. (laughs) And the album features some great musicians, Russ Kunkel, Leland Sklar, Wadi Wachtel. I could keep on going. There's some great songs, some originals. There's a Taj Mahal song, a Beatles song, a Little Feet song an Ed Sheeran song, a song from her brother James, and I'm so pleased to welcome you here. I'm delighted to be here with you, Paul. Finally, (laughs) we we have the connection. It's amazing how the the technology, isn't it wonderful that we get to do this? It it is, and you're in, are you in Massachusetts right now? I am. Yes, we we, uh, did an in-store, you know, Peter has written a book about uh, the Beatles A to Z, you know, lots of great stories about uh, the the Beatles and uh, his and songs and and uh, and then and and Leland has done a book about of, of photographs, which is stunningly beautiful. You know, this great book, massive book with gorgeous you know uh, rep, uh, replicas of his pictures, and and everybody in the picture is giving him the finger. Yes, <laughs> and it's hilarious. <laughs> And he has, you know, he's, 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 he, the, the, the story of how it's all sort of started is really, you know, fascinating. And, and, uh, and he's just a wonderful guy. And, and well, we did an in-store, um, book signing and I did a C- CD signing and we got a chance to talk about all of that. And, and so, uh, that was in Brockton or in Plainville, uh, Mass. And we're, we're in Brockton right now. We're heading down to the Cape to do, t- uh, two shows this weekend. A lot of exciting stuff going on. <laughs> so exciting. I mean, every day is a different story. It's really fun. And I will confess, there is a picture out there somewhere of me and one of my fingers and Leland Sklar. <laughs> oh, my God. Really? Excellent. Have you seen the book? You're probably in there. I, I haven't seen it, but uh, I know that that picture somewhere. <laughs> I know. I know. He caught me off guard, too. He's he. he, he <laughs> I'm in there. I can't believe it. My mother would be horrified. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this album, there's uh as I said, it's it's such a 
joyous. I mean, it's one of the more joyous albums I've ever heard. Oh. Well, what would you say the mood was that this album was made with? Well, you know, the whole thing from the very sort of inception, you know, of it uh, has been a joyous ride. You know, working with Peter is is well. There's there's just no one like him. You know, he's he's brilliant and and and, and a wonderful producer. You know, he hasn't those he won those Grammys for a reason. You know, the guy just really knows how to how to listen, how to focus, how to wrangle a team, you know, get, get the, the, the different parts of a, you know, a record, you know, he has a oral vision of what he wants to, you know, what he wants to hear. And uh, he pulls it all together and, and with, with great grace and, and aplomb. And uh, well, we started, yeah, I've started kind of working with some shows with Peter because, well, we've always been in touch because, you know, he was, he's a member of the family really after all the time he's worked with James and, you know, and, and even just a little bit of time that he worked with me back in 70, 71. We've remained close, although I watched from afar as he turned out all these incredible records, you know, and uh, for other, for other folks. And I always dreamed that someday maybe I'd get a chance to work with him again. And then, so he, his, his manager is, is also my agent. And so, uh, Keith Putney, he, he, he had sort of realized that this was 2021 was the 50th anniversary of our working together, uh, on a recording. And so he kind of, you know, mentioned that to Peter and Peter said, well, you know, let's try to make this happen. And so then, of course, at the very same time, the pandemic happened and, and, you know, our plans were, were, kind of put on the sidelines but at the same time it, it you know after a few months it made it, it we realized it made it possible for us to not only get together and record but we, to use a lot of the same players that we'd used on the first record you know russ kunkel and leland sklar and and uh danny korchmar and then we you know we gathered other folks um you know the wonderful and amazing albert lee oh, i love the i love him dearly and also his guitar playing is just extraordinary and and uh wadi Wachtel, same thing lovely amazing guy so we got all these you know these folks together and we were able to because they were all off the road you know we were able to gather and in the same studio at the same time put these put these tracks together and and make it happen and you know there was a certain element of joy to to all of it you know being able to be together being able to make some music just to kind of accomplish this, you know, this, this, this dream, uh, it is just, it's, it's the pieces of the puzzle just all fell together so beautifully. So, and then I think the choice, the song's choices, you know, it just so happens that a lot of them are these joyous tunes, you know, but, uh, so, you know, it's just been, a, it's been a great experience. It's been wonderful. And now to be doing some, some shows with all of them, Oh my gosh, that's that's incredible for me. It's just it's just a wonderful wonderful time. Well, on the note of Peter Asher, just to tell everyone out there, and most people know that name, but a legendary producer, also a manager. He produced you. He produced James Taylor, Linda Ronstadt. I mean, you we could spend all day listing off but there's a very special track on there i really like and this song 
the glory of love. It's been done by so many people from old-time crooners to Paul McCartney did it. Tell us about recording this duet with Peter Asher. Well, you know, I had asked if we might get a chance to do a duet together. And, you know, Peter said, by all means. And, you know, he came up with the song. He had heard, of course, you know, we both had heard it through the years. I think it was probably written in the 30s. But he had heard a version of it by Sarah Jerose and Matthew Millsap. And it's a, oh, look at that puppy dog. Oh, my God. Hello. That's the neighbor's dog, and that was the source of that. That that, that wriggling. <laughs> yes. I just decided he he should part relocate of, for a bit. He's a part of the show. Um, <laughs> anyway, so so we you know he Peter had heard Sarah Jerose and, and Matthew Millsap to do a version of the song, which he really loved, and so uh, Yumi turned me on to it, and I said, "Deal, let's let's." Let's do this. And and yes, it's a real treat singing with Peter. He's he's a wonderful singer and and uh we do it live on the show as well. And that's a it's a really nice point in the show to sing with him. And you want to talk about variety. There's that song, which is you could call that a standard, but then also you have songs from you know the exciters, yeah. uh, a song made famous by Nancy Wilson. You're like a lot like me and a lot like a lot of the people who are watching. You like all kinds of music. That's it, Paul. I do. I like, I can't really, you know, I, I, I couldn't really say what kind of music I sing because there's so many, all these different styles are so much fun to sing. And it's, it's really all about the song, you know, and, and, uh, and I've, I've that, that tune that Nancy Wilson made a hit out of how, how glad I am. I heard that song over and over again on a record that I played. I think I put, wore out two copies of uh, a, a Fontella Bass album called The New Look. And she had a lot of great covers on that, including her song that she recorded and made a big hit with, with which was, you know, Rescue Me. And I I, I just loved that song so much. And I was I was so grateful when, when Peter, you know, thought it was a good idea, you know, to to, to do it for this record, but, but there are a lot of different types of songs. There's some folk, you know, kind of oriented stuff. There's my song with my, with my friends, the ukuleles that we do. It's a song written by my nephew, Isaac Taylor about the gay head lighthouse and living, you know, living next to it. It's kind of a vineyard anthem kind of a song. And we're going to perform that song on Tuesday night at the uh, Tabernacle in Oak Bluffs with the, with the ukuleles and this band. So that'll be fun. And then, of course, I've always sung that uh, Staple Singers tune that you, you don't knock, and uh, that that Etta James song, "Stop the Wedding." You know, I love singing those tunes. They're just they're just downright fun to sing. But yeah, so like you know, I mean, it's always surprises me. You know, people have been I've been hearing people say, "Oh, well, Kate, you're a soul singer," and I go, "Really?" <laughs> you know, it's just so surprising. But I do love to sing that type of material. Last night, I went back and I listened to the Sister Kate album as well. And then I got carried away, which is something that I do a lot of times when I'm listening to music. And I have this habit. I will listen chronologically to someone's albums. Just I'll go back and just sometimes it takes days. But when you think about the different albums that you have made, how do you view them all as a as a collective, as a whole? 
Well, you know, each one of them has its own special place in my in my you know heart. I I the, the of course the Peter Asher Sister Kate record and and then the next record was uh, you know and and I, it brings up all these memories when I think about the Sister Kate record. I think about all the that time in Los Angeles and that particular time, which was so exciting. You know, all those folks were gathered in Los Angeles just on the cusp of these incredible careers that they all had, you know, Jackson Brown, the Eagles, Linda, Joni, James, Carol King, you know, and they were all there and we were all sort of in this mix together. And so I, that when I listen to Sister Kate and I think about that, I, you know, I think about, I reminded of that time. And then with the, the record, the next record I made, James produced in, when we made it in New York city at the Atlantic studios and that, and it, because of the nature of, the, the affection that players have for James, you know, he called in a lot of amazing, wonderful uh, musicians for this, that record, Steve and Gad and Steve Verone and Ron Carter and Richard T. And I mean, you know, it goes on and on these incredible players. And so it makes me, you know, I'm just so grateful. I had a chance to work with James. So, you know, closely on that album. And then the Columbia, my record label at the time, they, for the next record, uh, De- Don DeVito thought that it would be great if I went down to Muscle Shoals and did a record. Who gets to go to Muscle Shoals and make a record? I mean, how lucky can one little rock and roller be to go to Muscle Shoals, Alabama and play with that rhythm section? So that, you know, that was an incredible experience. And then the next record, Beautiful Road, I, you know, I, well, after, after the Marshall Shoals record, I, I did some work towards a work with brothers Alex and Huey on some shows. We, we had a band called Skin Tight. And I had my two greatest hits, namely my two daughters, Elizabeth and Aretha. <laughs> and, and, you know, so that was kind of, you know, my life for, you know, happily for, for the years that they were coming up and growing, you know, and, but the music was always kind of simmering in the background and we had players that we worked with and got a chance to work with Arlen Roth, who plays guitar, and, uh, Tommy Hambridge on drums and, and uh, the amazing Tony Garnier on bass. And we heard at one point that Bob Dylan was, uh, Tony plays with Bob Dylan and we heard that Dylan had been sidelined because he had this, you know, some sort of a health issue. So, you know, we decided at that at that time that it might be a good idea to bring the band together and start a new record. That was like 95. And it then happily Dylan got better and, and Tony was able to go, you know, get back on the road with him. But so it, it took us a long time to finish that record. But that one has a special place in my heart because a lot of the songs that were that are on that record were written by my late husband, Charlie Witham. And he and Tony produced that record. And, you know, it was Charlie's mission. You know, we realized he was, you know, quite ill. So it became his mission to finish this record. And so this one really has a special place for me because, uh, you know, because of Charlie and, and, you know, this kind of gift he gave to me, you know, at the end of his life, you know, to, you know, to hopefully, you know, in, you know, launch me into, you know, the sort of second second chapter or whatever of my career, my singing career. So, so then those songs were all beautiful. And then, then I did uh, fair time, which is all songs that I wrote or co-wrote. And that has, you know, a special meaning because, you know, I, I hadn't done that before, you know, all songs of, uh, of mine. 
And then, you know, to culminate right now in this this sort of 50-year anniversary of Sister Kate with Why Wait, it just, it just feels right. There's just something kind of perfect about it all. Well, going into this, this current album, Why Wait, is there something that you want the listener, the person who's playing the album, is there something you want them to get from that experience of listening to it? Well, well, we certainly wanted to deliver just the, the sort of the, the best performances that we could that we could could record for for each of these songs. They're all so special, you know. Each song has something special to me for me about it. You know, when you mention that word joy, I just uh, I really feel like that. You know, maybe I, I, it wasn't a purposeful. You know, it wasn't an intent. You know, I didn't say, okay, I'm going to make a joyous album. But, you know, I'm really glad that it, that, that is what, how you feel like describing it, because uh, I think we need joy. I think people need to realize they can have it. They can have joy. And even in the midst of all this, you know, the challenges that we've, we've, we have faced and will face, you know, that, that joy has got to be part of it. And then when I look back on some of the interviews that I did, you know, early on in my career, and I people would say, well, what do you want to see happen? And I go, well, I want people to get up and dance. <laughs> and, you know, so I think that kind of continues. That's maybe a thread throughout the whole thing is, you know, just want people to en- be able to enjoy themselves and enjoy music. And music really, you know, can kind of unlock that in people. That's my, that's my hope. This album feels to me like, if I had to describe it, the mood of the album, I would say, because I'm going to be going down to Florida tomorrow, this is the perfect album to listen to with your windows open. Yes. <laughs> That's how it feels to me. So I'm going to definitely be playing it on the way down. Oh, I love that. I think any, I think albums are so, it's so great to hear records in the car. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> top down, windows open. You know, full blast, let it rip, and a long ride like down to Florida. That's that's great. <laughs> that's great. I love that. With all the different types of songs that you've done, and just such an incredible range, who would you say the singers are that you admire the most? There are so many. It's it's hard to it's it's hard to you know list them all but i but i guess you know the first people that come to mind are, are otis redding jackie wilson sam cook aretha franklin dion warwick fontella bass you know mavis staples the staples singers you know i love harmonies i love you know families that sing together i love you know the, all that kind of thing i mean there's so many and the other, you know, wonderful aspect about music is being able to hear it live. As much as recordings can bring you a, a lot, when you get to sit in the room and that bass is thumping away and the drums, and you know, you, you're hearing it and you're feeling the, you know, you're, you're witnessing uh, and you're, you're, you're participating in a, a communal experience with the, the musicians. It's, there's nothing like it. I'm so grateful that we're able to get back to that and, you know, I hope we can continue without too much, too many more interruptions, you know, to be able to get back to hearing uh, live music together. You know, I love that part of it, you know, 
experiencing the audience's reactions and feeding off of that. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan, music fan. So, I mean, I love to, to go and hear live music. It always gets me going. I wanted to get your take. There are songs like the glory of love that have been around for decades. And it seems like every singer, every singer, Bob Dylan has done it. Rod Stewart has done it. Paul McCartney has done it. Your brother James has done it. Everybody eventually gets around to recording at least a couple of, of the standards. Yes. Or a whole album like, like, like those people. What yeah. do you think about what's commonly called the American songbook? Those songs are, that was such a golden era of songwriting. And we, we, those, those, that material is just so impeccably, beautifully written and, and, and for music and for singers, you know, not only for the audience, but for the joy of the singer to be able to actually sing these melodies and, just, uh, you know, I don't blame any of those folks at all for wanting to dive into them, you know, and I think it's important that we that we remember those 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 that material and pass it on, because that was the heyday of songwriting. I mean, you know, I mean, or it was a heyday of song. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, this is where composers were really thinking about the lyrics and thinking about about. Um, you know how the how it gets delivered by you know with with, with in the with the human voice and and they're just beautiful songs and I think that the up and coming you know songwriters and people who are who are starting out the composers and people who are starting out today you know I think they really benefit from having having fresh takes on these tunes you know so they can they can you know move it forward you know pass it on down and it's one of the gifts that that America has brought to the world, and I really, uh, I really think that it's wonderful to honor that. Hmm. Well put. Turning to your songwriting, I wanted to ask in specific about one of the songs that appears on this album. Tell us about the inspiration behind "I Got a Message." Well. I, that song, I started writing that song when I met a, some of my, well, some of my friends are part of a group that, you know, studies Buddhism on, on the vineyard where I live. And when my husband died, we had a service for him on the, at the gravesite. And my friends brought this Rinpoche, a teacher, Buddhist teacher from, uh, you know, um, not even sure where is it, Tibet, or I'm not sure where he's where he's from but being very you know beautiful loving cat and and I he gave a he gave a prayer for Charlie for my husband and we kind of struck up a friendship and he came to a show I did and you know and sometime later and and we took we we talked to you know he whenever he came to the island I'd go and visit him and he encouraged me to write a song I like you know with with some of these some of the things that that are written about in that song and i uh so i started uh starting putting started putting it together and then you know it ended up ended up having these different little kind of segments to it but i think it really started with that rinpoche and uh 
I guess, you know, the first bit about it is I've got a message for you from your mother, you know, from Mother Earth, you know, hey, we've got we've got a job to do here. You know, I want, you know, and and then it sort of moves on and it's kind of stream of consciousness, I guess, a little bit. But that's it's it's sort of a patchwork quilt of a song of different, you know, different things I wanted to, you know, I wanted to talk about or I wanted to sing about. There's a book over there on my bookshelf. It, it, the title of it, and I've always liked this book title, it's called Everybody Writes. And I think that that's a valuable thing to remember. Sometimes people like to put this label that writing is something that writers do. You know, that's someone different than me. But just totally as a human experience, what do you think writing does for you? I think being able to tell your story is really valuable and healing and, you know, illuminating, you know, you can, you, you get things into focus when you write and there's something about it. I think writing is a lot like singing, you know, it's, I think it uses a different part of the brain. And, and the fascinating thing is that everybody has a story to tell, you know, we are all in this soup and, and, uh, you know, people, it's just extraordinary what people have endured and what they've gone through and what they feel and what they, how they, what things they've experienced. And I think writing really helps put it all into perspectives, you know, for people. And so, you know, I do think, I think that's wonderful that, that everybody writes. I think that everybody's a, everybody's a writer and all you have to do is just sit down and do it. I think it's a very important gift we can give ourselves yeah to write you mentioned this song a little bit earlier but i'm hoping you can tell us you, you mentioned that your nephew wrote this song and it's the closing song on the album tell us a little more about about him and this song beams of the queen well isaac taylor is an extraordinary young Man, he's a he's a got a he's he has now a wife and a, and a young family, and he lives in Gayhead, the the town that I live in, and Aquina, and he grew up there. He's an incredible singer. He he has he's very his his voice just takes you to another place, and he finds it. It's like a, a sacred. Thing for him to be on the stage and, and singing. He, he takes it. He, he has a lot of fun, but he takes it very seriously. And he's a wonderful songwriter. And he wrote this song about the Gayhead Lighthouse, which looks like the queen on the chessboard. So when he's talking about the beams of the queen, he's talking about the, the, you know, the, 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 the lighthouse looks like the queen. And and that the beams, you know, are there. And then, and the way he describes the place, you know, where he grew up at the foot of the lighthouse, you know, and the beams, you know, shining in his front door and, and what it, you know, what it, what it means to him. It, it, it really resonated with me. And, and I, I learned it, you know, we kind of adopted it, adapted it a little bit to, to play a simple, you know, ukulele parts on it. And I have four, friends on the vineyard we have this little group called uh the ukuleles and we play the ukuleles together and and we do this tune and it and it's uh you know one of our greatest uh 
greatest hits. So, uh, and I wanted to record the song for the record and Peter was, was uh, you know, welcomed it. And we recorded the ukuleles and uh, doing the tune. And we, we put a little bit of ocean sound on there and, and we get to talk about the lighthouse and Martha's Vineyard and what it feels like to, to be, you know, to be from that place. And Isaac is, is Hugh Taylor's son. Is yeah. that correct? Yes. Yeah. Hugh is my youngest brother. You know, Hugh was a guest on the show. I think he was on episode 98. And I couldn't figure out. I mean, he he's just not as famous as the other brothers. Because <laughs> I don't think he sought the fame. But I started getting thousands of downloads. And I thought, what's going on? This doesn't make sense to me. And then I, it was just head scratching. It was one of the more popular shows that I did. And... I thought it's probably the combination of the fact that he hasn't really told his story very much. Right. And then I found out that James Taylor had shared that interview. And that was where all of this traffic was coming from. Oh, isn't that great? Well, <laughs> you know, that's so great. Yeah. The, the magic of James's social media. Well, <laughs> well, well, you know, Huey is fascinating. He's brilliant. You know, they all are. Those, these brothers are, you know, you know the wonderful brains. I, 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 they, they never cease to blow my mind. But yeah, Huey is just multi-talented. He, you know, he'll get an idea and then he just makes it happen. You know, and he's, he's, he, he but he, and he's a wonderful singer. He's great harmony singer. He's got perfect pitch and great tone and lots of you know exuberance. And I love singing with him. It's really fun when I get it, when when we all can get together, and yes, you know he sort of he I think he, you know he just has a lot of interests in his in his life. He's fishes. He's, he's for years he was he was a carpenter. He's run an inn for probably thirty years in a restaurant. You know he has a beautiful life and a wonderful family, and you know so we never really sought the sought out the you know whatever the. The, the, this other thing is, you know, it's literally calls it, we're circus folk. <laughs> and, you know, I think for me, I think, well, how come we all got so drawn to being on stage and stuff? And then I, and then I thought, well, being five kids who were born within a six year time frame, really the only, the only way you could get a word in edgewise <laughs> was to be on stage. So, <laughs> You know, he uh, Huey's Huey's an extraordinary human. They all are. I, you know, our brother Alex was an incredible singer, deep, deep, soulful singer. And I mean, if he was on stage, he could forget about you know anything else. He was it. You know, there was no there was no ignoring that man. And a wonderful, wonderful talent. And we miss him. I miss him every day. Oh my god, we did. Yeah, we did have some opportunities to sing as a as a family, you know, all together in in public, and and those those like cherish those moments. It was years back. I, I was on Radio Margaritaville, and I remember this. Gosh, this was more than ten years ago. You sent me some songs of Alex Taylor, and really, you were correct of course, a, a, an incredible blues singer, yes. you know, what a yeah. talent. Rich, rich and deep. 
you know, and he was the one who kind of would sit us down and insist that we listen to the particular songs, you know, a lot of the musical, you know, exposure that we had, of course, growing up in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, is a university town. There was a lot of music that came through there and being in, being in the South, you know, there was country, bluegrass, folk, you know, and then the R&B and the blues and gospel and white gospel and Appalachian and, you know, all these different influences, you know, were just in the mix. But I can remember Alex just insisting that we listen to these different things. And one day I was probably 12 or 13 and he grabbed me and pulled me out of the carport. And he sat me down in the car and said, listen to this. And it was the Beatles, I want to hold your hand. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a turning point. What would you say is the best thing about being Kate Taylor? That I get to talk to you. <laughs> That's sweet. <laughs> well, let's see. What is it about Kate Taylor? You know, I'm just, I'm just so grateful. Um, my parents, I had the most extraordinary upbringing, you know, when I look back on it and I think about what they brought to the table, you know, what, what I got from my life through them, you know, not only like physical stuff or, you know, whatever, but, but just sort of the, the, the um, creative things and, um, you know, different appreciations that they, that they instilled in us for the arts and I'm just grateful for all of that. And, you know, then they have these amazing brothers and, and my beautiful family, my daughters, my friends, you know, the wonderful place that I live, you know, the home community I live in. I don't know. I'm just a lucky girl. I'm a very lucky girl. Well, everybody is invited to visit katetaylor.com for more information and look for this album, Why Wait?, it's going to be out August 6th. August right? 6th. Yeah. August yep. 6th. People can pre-order it until then. And then, you know, it, it'll be on my website. And also, you know, I got signed up with this wonderful record company, Compass Records. And uh, I'm on their, their Red House label. And so we can get it through their labels, too, through their website, too. And, yes, if anybody, you know, gets it and wants to talk to me about it, you know, I can be reached at Kate at KateTaylor.com, and I'd love to hear from you. Kate at KateTaylor.com. Oh, and one more thing. I remember also late last night, it was like at midnight, an email came in. People are going to be able to get this album on vinyl, which is a very important fact for a lot of people out there. Yes, that's right. We have gone Got vinyl. It. We've gone back to vinyl, back to vinyl. Oh, 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 that's great. Yes. That's, yes, we, we're, we've got, it, we've got a, a, a limited edition on vinyl, and we're, we're thrilled. You know, it's, it's the way to go. It's a wonderful to go back to vinyl. I'm so glad that's, that's happening. Well, I always like to end on a very open-ended note. I always like to give the guest the stage. And you could go anywhere and – Keep in mind, a lot of times people will tune into these interviews. It'll be years from now. But what would you say to someone who is watching this or listening to this now, in the future, whenever? Well, I would want to, to tell them to don't give up on your dreams. Take good care of yourselves. Take good care of the planet. 
and uh, and each other. We're very blessed to be, you know, to 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 have these lives that we have and and uh, make the most of it and 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 yes, follow your dream. Beautifully put. Well, Kate Taylor, thank you so much. It's been a real honor and a, a pleasure. I'm so glad we. I'm so glad we could we, we that, that finally all the pieces came into place so we could we could have this little talk. You know, thank you so much, Paul. My pleasure. All right. Goodbye.